from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. In our community, everyone is aspiring to do good, make good, not just for them, their families, for others, and entrepreneurship has been the buzzword of the decade. So today we want to dive into our business move segment and talk about what's the difference between nonprofit businesses and for-profit businesses, and who better to help us out than our passionate business attorney, Asha Wilkerson. Asha, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right, Money Movers, have we got a session for you today. I have often wondered about the difference between nonprofits, for-profits, doing good, making money, and how all these things are mutually exclusive or perhaps not. And so, Asha, I want to dive in and have you explain to me the difference between nonprofits and for-profits. Yeah, so... 
The basic difference is that a nonprofit organization is not allowed to retain a profit year over year. So what does that mean? It means that all the money that a nonprofit makes needs to be reinvested into the business, whether that's into salaries for the people who run it, into programming for the work that needs to be done, into, I don't know, operations, things like that. But with a for-profit company, then as soon as the operating expenses are paid, the owners and the operators of the company can take all the revenue, right? There's no cap on how mm-hmm. much you can earn in a, in a for-profit. But a nonprofit, you cannot earn more than what the industry standard is because the mission is to be a business for the community. It's a social good company. And so the priority is on the community, not on the people who have started the business. Okay, so I don't mean to be, pardon the pun, the devil's advocate here, but we always hear about crazy stories about, for example, the number one social impact um, nonprofits, the church, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We'll hear about people talking about the church and how they have these exorbitant budgets and planes and this, that, and the other. So how does that really work? And like, why is that the first thing that comes to mind when we're having this debate over nonprofits yeah. and how they spend their money? Well, because nonprofits, I won't say it's a stereotype because it is actually written in the law that they're supposed to do social good. But I think most people don't know about churches and stuff, though, is that a lot of times there are multiple business entities that are operating at the same time as the church. So if you're looking at like a a fame, I won't call any names because I don't want to get in any trouble, but like a famous (laughs) pastor, let's say, who um, has written a number of books, they have their own business entity that is housing their public speaking engagements, their publishing engagements, or when churches have choirs and put out CDs, that's oftentimes Mm -hmm. run under a different business and that gets taxed because even though we listen to music in the church, it's not really essential to the work that the church is doing. And if it's under the same umbrella of the nonprofit, that for-profit venture is paying taxes on that for-profit venture, which is separate Mm -hmm. from like the public good that it's doing in the community. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so there is this ability to sort of do good, have social impact, but also make money. Um, And it's completely legal. It's totally fine. People have been very forthright about doing that from the very beginning. Can you give me some examples of that? Sure. So, you know, one the first thing that comes to mind, well, let me let me back up a little bit. People come to me all uh-huh. the time and it happens more, I think, with black and brown folks because we have such a heart for our community. And there's this, there's there is this pull of if I made it out and I was successful, there's this pressure on us to go back and to help the next generation, to save the next generation. And if we go and make a bunch of money, we have to deal with either people literally saying or the understood assumption that we have now become a sellout because we're making Mm. all this money and the people coming behind us are still struggling. So a number of people come to me and say, okay, I want to help the community. I, I, I need to start a nonprofit. And my question to them is always, do you really need to start a nonprofit or do you just want to run a business that makes a social impact? So the, the first example that I always think of is Tom's Shoes. Tom's, everybody knows, or most people know, you buy one yes. pair of Tom's and they will donate a pair of their shoes to whatever community that they have donated. They are 100% a for-profit business, but they have a social mission to put shoes Mm -hmm, on people's mm -hmm. feet. So the founders and the CEOs and the C-suite folks and Toms can make as much money as they want, but their mission is built into the work that they do, but they're a for-profit. If you're running a nonprofit, 
all you're doing essentially is that social good, which is a good thing. But if mm-hmm. you have raised an, a ridiculous amount of money that year, that's never going to go to the CEO's pocket. The CEO's salary is going to stay the exact same no matter what, because that money that you've raised above and beyond the operating expenses is going to has to be reinvested into the business to do more good. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't want to be limited by the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. then my suggestion is to start a for-profit business that has a social mission attached to it. And that will become your distinction and your selling point. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right, Asha, I do have a question since we're talking about these two worlds of nonprofits and for-profits. As a lawyer, what do I need to know as I'm deciding on how to form a nonprofit versus a 
for-profit company. Absolutely. Well, the first thing you should know is that the nonprofit is not yours. So I, I tell, counsel people this all the time. You have a great- It's not mine. No, it's not yours. It, it belongs to the people. So that's really no. important to think about. Like if you want to continue to run this company for years and years to come, you know, it's not yours. And so if you're founding the company, you want to make sure that your bylaws are very clear about how long of a term you can keep. You want to put people on your board who will support your vision because there have been instances where a founder's vision um, diverged from what the board thought and the board thought that this founder was no longer good for the company and the board was able to remove the founder from their um, position as CEO. So it's not yours. You want to think about that. Next thing you want to think about is who to put on your board, right? You don't want the exact same people. You don't want a replica of the skills you already have. Bring new people who can help get money, who can help with the marketing, who can help with the programming, who have other skill sets to really make this business grow. And then the next thing is that when you actually form the corporation, you form it at the state level. But the thing that everybody's interested in is the tax exempt status. That is a separate mm -hmm. application. And that has to be filed with the IRS. I recommend filing it with the IRS first and then doing it at the local state level. So you can form a nonprofit corporation, but until you take that next step of getting tax exempt status, the donations won't be tax exempt. That has to absolutely come from the IRS. So I would- Is that what a 5013C is? Mm -hmm. A 501C3 okay. is a particular type C3. of- um, mm -hmm of nonprofit tax exempt organization, but there are other, and that's because it's, it's the 501c3 under the internal revenue revenue code. So it's that section, but there are other ones for, if you have like a sports team that can be a nonprofit, like a volleyball league or a basketball mm -hmm. league, that's under a different section. Political campaigns are under a different section. So yes, to answer your question, yes, but there are other types of nonprofits and tax exempt organizations that can be formed as well. Oh, well, thank you so much for clearing that up. I always wanted to know, and I'm sure if I wanted to know, our Money Moves audience also wanted to know. So, and you may or may not be able to answer this because you're an attorney, not a CPA, but is it typically these um, nonprofits have bigger tax incentives and tax breaks or they aren't taxed at all? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's a really good question. So nonprofit, so donations to nonprofits become tax deductible donations. So that's one of the biggest, and nonprofits don't pay taxes. Mm. They still have to fill out a tax reform, tax not reform, tax return. It's called a Form 990. Um, and that mm -hmm. is supposed to be a public form that's available to anybody who wants to see it. But people think, okay, let me do this nonprofit because I have this social good and I want people to donate. That's a double-edged sword. It's great that people are going to donate and they get that tax break, but then you are also limited to the amount of donations that you receive. And in some instances, mm. that's okay, right? That's why churches are asking for people to tithe every Sunday or every Wednesday or however many times you go to church. Every day. Right, <laughs> that part, <laughs> because they need the money because they cannot, yeah. you know, start a business and make money like a, like a for-profit business can. So the tax incentive is an incentive, but it can also be extremely limiting too because you know, other people, for-profit businesses are working to make sales in the world. Nonprofits are working to get grants, right? And if you mm -hmm. can get the grant, great, the lights stay on. And if you can't, then, you know, got some trouble. 
It's tough. It's tough. I mean, I just really love this concept because I think so many of us, especially in our community, we want to see each other succeed. We want to be successful. We want to support our loved ones, our families. But, you know, we really have this altruistic need to also do good. And I think, you know, being conscious and forming businesses that allow you to do both, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You can give back, you can support, but this idea of creating companies that are social good companies where you can make good money, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting. You know, and don't gloss over the fact that when you have a for-profit business, you you are hiring people and you can Mm -hmm. choose to hire whoever you want to hire. So if you want to reach the folks who are traditionally hard to employ, whether they have been formerly mm. incarcerated or are, you know, clean and sober now or formerly homeless or you want to help people make that transition, you absolutely have the power to make impact right where you are with your for-profit business as well. So I'm not telling people not to do nonprofits, but I'm also just wanting to get people to think about how powerful your business is, no matter what structure it's put in. You actually just jogged my mind and I'm going to shout out to Pinky Cole, who is the founder of Slutty Vegan, which is a delicious vegan burger chain. And, you know, one of the initiatives that she did because her father was incarcerated is that she makes it very intentional that I, I don't know what the percentage is, but like 90% of the hires in her business mm-hmm. have been incarcerated, which is obviously a very hard thing to overcome in our society in terms of getting a job. Right. And like she has created a really unique foundation and pathway for a lot of people to come out of the prison system, but to get steady income, find a job, find training. And there's just lots of ways to do good. So Asha, thank you so much. I think this was a great topic for our Money Moves audience. And I'm so happy to have had you here again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, Money Movers, that's all the time we have for today. Um, Asha, can you please tell our audience where they can find you on social media so that they can follow along with all the gems and knowledge and wisdom that you have to share? Yes, indeed. Come check me out on Instagram, Asha Wilkerson ESQ. All right, Money Movers, it is that time. It's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Asha on all of her social media handles and make sure to tune in every Monday through Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom that you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on? Mm, That could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. 
But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix Finder, only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more. More info now.